Father, we thank you that you are an awesome God. Lord, we thank you for the past year. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the lives that you've changed, Lord, the impact you've made in our lives and in our community. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being your children, of coming into your kingdom, of being a part of you. And uh, we want to bless you and honor you this morning. We want to thank you for your love for us. We want to thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross and rose again. We want to thank you, Father, you've given us Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in this place. Come and have your way. Come and make us more like Jesus. As we talk about vision, as we talk about restoration, as we talk about the future you have for us, inspire us, challenge us, transform us. We want to worship you. We want to honor you. Bless your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, I had to sort of condense a whole world of stuff, so Shara helped with the video to take a whole year and put it into one. But I want to start by, by having a look back at some of the stuff we've done because it's really easy to say, hey, we're going forward and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and all this sort of stuff, and think, can we really do this? Can this really happen? And it's good to remember where you've come from. It's actually a biblical concept. You know, God told the Israelites regularly, remember what happened in Egypt? Remember when you came to the Red Sea and it was impossible? And then God parted the Red Sea. And they walked through on dry land and then wiped out the whole Egyptian army. He says, remember, I delivered you. And when they came out of Egypt... They came out, we hope the, the Egyptians gave them all their, their gold and their silver and their jewels. They came out with wealth and blessing. God said, remember what I did. Remember in the desert where I provided manna. You know, it was like sweet bread for you to eat. And quail came and water from rocks. And, and I took care of you all the way through. He says, remember. So it's good to remember, yes? It's good to remember good things, Yes? Turn the person next to you and say, I remember you. Because <laughs> if we don't remember, we'll forget each other, right? <laughs> All right, let's go, Hannah. All right, we launched last year in, on the 30th of March. Remember all that hard work? All that money we spent? But it was worth it, Yes. Twelve months down the track, we've seen church grow, we've seen increase, a lot of work. And for us, that was a, real, it was a defining starting moment as a church. Went from there, and our family grew. I was supposed to buy a clicker so I could do this, and I didn't get it, and I left it behind. We went from 32 to 64 people who were saying this is their church. So when we launched last year, we had 32 people saying, yeah, we're here, we're a part of this church, we're going forward. As of last week, we did a count right through, people who are in our services, people in our connect groups, people who would say, hey, this is my church. That's 64. That's double. Some people go, 64, really? We've been going for 12 months. And we doubled. Anyone else doubled anything in their life in 12 months? Maybe you wait. No. <laughs> doubled your debt? No. We'll talk about that later. But we doubled as a church. 
And we're going to keep going on that process. But we did a whole lot of stuff and we made quite an impact in the community. If you go on to, first of all, we had Christmas in July. And we discovered that people like snow. Over 600 people rocked up to that day. Christmas Eve, we saw 250 people at least. I mean, we, we go conservative with our figures. We go what we can definitely count. We worked on the snow day. It was actually probably closer to 700, but we, go with, we want to keep accurate figures. We want to know exactly. We don't want to add and so on, but we can count for 600 people. Christmas Eve was probably actually closer to 300, but we can count definitely 250 people that were here celebrating Christmas together. From there, we had Messy Church. On top of the 64 people who would say this is a church, we had another 40 people that rock up every Messy Church, which is about every six or seven weeks, except over Christmas because we have Christmas. And for those who know what Messy Church is, who have come in since we've had one, that's where we just have, we have a bit of a different service. We usually go in next door, we start with some food and we, we play some games and have some fun. Then we come in here and we talk a bit about God and just basically have a bit of a party for the Sunday. But there's about 40 people who are on our list who constantly text us or email us going, hey, when's the next West Messy Church? That's an impact. That's people's lives being transformed through God working through us. All right? Over the year, we've seen 18 people make a decision to come to know Jesus. And some of you are sitting here. All right? That's 18 people whose lives have been transformed who may never have known Jesus if we weren't set here together worshipping him as a church. 18 people who are saying, I know God's got a better life for me and I want that better life. And became part of the family. We run a schools program in two schools. We do one here where we do, we usually buy morning tea for the teachers, make sure they're fed and look after them. And we're going to look at increasing that. We'll talk about it a bit later on. And we also do a bit of work. Actually, it's actually three schools because we did some work in Jandicott. Um, through all the chaplains there. And we also work in Southwell Primary School through the chaplains there. We go in and do lunchtime programs and, and so many other things that happen in there. And uh, with our new kids worker, kids coordinator is the word, that's going to ramp up. We also work with uh, actually five chaplains, not four chaplains, um, with youth care chaplains in schools. And we actually take an active role, Dale is particularly takes an active role, of pastoring them and meeting with them and encouraging them and working with them because a lot of them are out there by themselves and they just haven't got a support system. So we've stepped into that role as a part of the district council here. That's a heck of a lot of p- things to do for 64 people, yeah? Think about it. 64 people, that's pretty good. Turn the person next to you and say, I'm excited on the inside. <laughs> and then you turn the other side and say, and I'm going to let it out sometime this morning. <laughs> That's a lot of work that you've done. You know, all that effort that we put in and so on, there's the results. 600 people. At Christmas, 250 people heard the gospel message that God loves them. 18 people have said, I want to be a part of that. That's you. 
That's setting out lights and putting out chairs and setting up bouncy castles and serving food is all an integral part of changing people's lives. Look at Jesus. How did he change people's lives? He fed them. He talked with them. He hung out with them. He did the work that we're doing. All we're doing is continuing his work. It's exciting. So that was the year that's gone. So what's ahead? Well, when we um, talked about, I was going for God and saying, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? How do you want us to go forward? You know, we like to, I always believe God's got like a theme for a year, I find. He always has something that says, look, add your faith to this and move forward. And the word he really put on upon my heart was restoration. That he wanted to restore to his people the things that had been lost, the things that had been broken, the things that had promised and hadn't been fulfilled. All those areas where you feel like you've missed out. God says, I want to restore those and I want to do it supernaturally. And as I was preparing for this, I got really excited because I was actually laying on my bed sort of half asleep and God spoke into my spirit and he said, I want you to go and look at Jubilee. Just go and have a quick look and do some quick research on Jubilee. And so I woke up and went, okay. So I flicked over my Bible and was reading about Jubilee and I'll explain Jubilee in a minute. And then I was actually jumped on the net and was looking through some research on there and discovered that this is Jubilee year on the Jewish calendar. Now, I know you're not excited yet because you know what Jubilee means, but you will do. I got excited. I text Dale because she was out at the time and, you know, didn't get the big response I was hoping for, but that's all right. I was excited. But what is Jubilee? Jubilee is this amazing thing. that You know, when they came out of Egypt, they went through all that journey and they came in to the promised land, which is now Israel. And they moved in there and they took over and, and God gave them some sort of guidelines and rules. And it's in one of those books that you don't really read a lot in, you know, called Leviticus. Now, Leviticus is a great book unless you're eating. Because it talks a lot about how you do the sacrifices and how you slaughter the cows and what you do with your dung and, you know, all those sorts of things. The real, it's a real practical book. It deals with a lot of practical things um, for them in their life that way to help them to have a better quality of life. But in the middle of all this really interesting stuff, it's, you know, when you read through the Bible, people read through Genesis, they're usually fine. They go through Exodus, they're great. They hit Leviticus and they find a really good reason to go and look in the New Testament. <laughs> because they know after Leviticus is Numbers. Because God's into counting. He does figures like we do. You know, that's why we do them. We, keep, we count people because people matter, right? But when you've got Leviticus, then you're conscious that after that is numbers, which is all about numbers and the genealogy and stuff like that. The excitement can really sort of drop. Because after numbers is Deuteronomy, which is just more of the laws and, and the rules and the guidelines and the practical stuff. So then jump to Joshua and get the exciting stuff. But Leviticus is in the middle of there. And in the middle, of, well, not toward the end of Leviticus, in chapter 25, is this amazing thing about Jubilee. Now, Jubilee is something that 
let, let me just give you a little bit of history because it's a whole lot of stuff and I don't want to bore you with details, but it's actually amazing. But every seven years, there was a command to the Israelites that when they did their, their farming and so on, every seven years, they were to not do any farming. They were to leave their land and just let it rest. It was like a Sabbath. So you know how the seventh day for them, they had a day of rest. They had the Sabbath. So it was, it was like a Sabbath for the land. And the idea behind it was that it would actually refresh the land. You know, nowadays we don't rest the land. We just put chemicals into it, which is really exciting, isn't it? Because those chemicals then go into whatever eats there or whatever grows there, and we get the pleasure of eating that chemical. Isn't that exciting? Thankfully, God says that you can eat poisons and it won't harm you. But God had a better way, and he would say to them, look, every seven years, I want you to to leave it. He says, if you trust me in this, on the sixth year, you'll get enough food for the seventh year and for the year after the eighth year, when you've got to replant. But he says, leave it in that seventh. Let the land rest. Let the stuff just grow. You can go out and pick pick the grapes and so on if you want to, but just let it sit. And anybody can go and help themselves with the food in any field throughout that year, but let it just grow by itself, die by itself in that year, and let the land rest. And what would happen is that the crops would grow up, you know, the seed that was left in the ground, and the trees would fruit, and people would come and eat the fruit. But all the stuff would then just, just rot away into the ground and actually nourish the ground. And so when they came back to sow the next year, the ground had replenished and re-energized and was fertilized and was healthier. And God said, okay, every seven years do that. But he says... After seven times of doing that, so 49 years, seven sevens of 49, all right, you'll do that. But he says, on the 50th year, I'm declaring that a jubilee. And he says, this is a really special year. Now, when the Israelites moved into the land, they were all allocated a bit of land. So it'd be like, you know, Ben would get that bit of land there, and that would be his family's land. And then, we can't be sure because you're related, but Rhea would get her family's land. All right, and then the Keith would get his family's land, and everybody was allocated a bit of land when they went in. Now, if you know during those fifty years somewhere in there things didn't go well, you took out a loan to buy yourself a new tractor, and then you discover the tractors don't exist. All right, and so you had this money, and so you went out and partied and thing, and then lost all your money, and then you didn't buy your cow you needed or your ox to actually go and plough up the land, and you went broke. So you might then sell your land because you can't afford to pay your debt. what would happen at Jubilee is that land would be returned to you debt-free. You'd get your land back. It didn't matter what had happened with that land since you'd sold it. It didn't matter what had gone on. It didn't matter if they'd built a massive mansion on it. It It all just became yours automatically. You got that land and everything on it. Debt free. It was yours to start again. And if you died, it would go to your children because it was your family's land. Now, if there was money still owing on that land, that money was cancelled. In fact, in Jubilee, every debt is cancelled. It didn't matter how big a house, you know, you could owe $200 to your best mate or you could owe $2 million to the bank. Regardless of how much it was, in Jubilee, every debt right across the nation was cancelled. And everybody got to start again. Obviously, we're not excited by this because we're not living in Israel. Is that what it is? 
Think about this. Someone comes to you and says, because you know, they blow this shofar, or the horn thing, they blow the horn. The moment the horn went, your debts were cancelled. The moment the horn went, went, you could just grab your stuff, walk down the road and walk onto your property because it was yours. And whoever was on there had to get off. Can you imagine that? You got a phone call right now. Hi, this is the bank. Just letting you know, it's Jubilee. We've cancelled your, your loans. Credit cards are no more. What's your first thought? Shopping this afternoon. <laughs> no? Guy's going, that Mustang I've been eyeing off. It's time to go and get it now. If in you, the course of those 50 years you really messed up and you became a slave or you became a servant to somebody because, you know, I can't afford to live anymore. I went to buy the tractor. The tractor, didn't, the tractor broke down. You know, I, things didn't go out for us. I borrowed wrongly. You know, things just made a bad in business investment or a bad decision or just blew all my money and travelled around the world, which was a big deal back then, you know. And you went, I've had it. And so you would have to go and become a slave to somebody else. Although they weren't allowed to be slaves because they were Israelites. They had to go and be hired servants. So you had to go and be a hired servant to work off your debt and try and pay it all through. At the end of Jubilee, if you were that slave or that hired servant, you were free. And you got all of your family back. Because often when you became a hired servant, your family would be sold off to other people. But in Jubilee, they could, you could walk out of that place and you were free, walk back to your land and your family would come back there and you would have all your relationships restored. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Isn't that great? And everything in, in the economy was based upon Jubilee. So if you were buying or selling land, it would be priced according to how many years it was to Jubilee because everyone knew at Jubilee they'd have to give the land back. So think about it. You get all your stuff back. Your family gets back together. You're totally out of debt. You get a fresh start. Doesn't that sound like fun? What has that got to do with us? Absolutely everything. Because in Isaiah 61, Isaiah prophesies about Jesus coming. And he says, helps if I turn there. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good things to the poor. Anyone to preaching good tidings to the poor? What, what is it that the poor need to hear? If you were poor, what would you want to hear? <laughs> that you don't have to be poor. If you've got no money, what's the biggest deal in your life? You need some money. If you're poor in relationships... You know, maybe your, your marriage isn't working out or you're looking for a spouse and it's not happening or there's problems with your kids or problems with your parents or your, and so on. That means you've got to pour in your relationships, right? What do you want to hear? You want to hear those relationships to be restored, that it's going to work out. Whatever you pour in, this is what I like, this, this verse is actually saying, whatever you pour in, God has good news for you. 
Good tidings to the poor is you don't have to be poor anymore. There's a way to get through your situation. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, the acceptable year of the Lord is another way of saying jubilee. It's actually the word jubilee means acceptable year of the Lord. In, in the Hebrew, it's, it's something like shunta. All right? The year of acceptance. Jesus said that when he came. In Luke 4, 18, one of the first sermons he preaches, he goes in the synagogue, he grabs that book from Isaiah 61, he sits down and reads it, and he says, I came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I came to proclaim jubilee. In verse 21, he sits down and he says, I want you to know everything that was just read out is now fulfilled in me. In other words, jubilee is here for all time. Think about that. What was jubilee? No more debt. Everything that has been lost is restored to you. Broken relationships restored. It doesn't matter where you're poor. The good news is Jesus came to set you free from that poverty. Does that make sense? Is this sort of sinking in? Are you sort of getting excited? Jesus said, Jubilee is every day. Now, if you go to Deuteronomy 28, are we follow, you okay? Are we following this? I know I'm jumping a little bit, but I'm trying to give you a whole lot of stuff in a very, very short time. And we'll unpack it over weeks and the year to come, I'm sure. But at Deuteronomy 28, it has a list of the blessings and the curses. And it says in the blessings, look, if you make the Lord your God, and you decide that you're going to live for Jesus as best you can, this is paraphrased version, obviously, because it says a whole lot of other words. He says, there's going to be blessings on you. Now, there's really cool blessings. There's things like, when my notes come back up, screensavers and all those good things. There we go. He says things like, you'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the country. He says, your children will be blessed. He says, your work will be blessed, and so on. And he says things like about debt, and he says, You'll be so blessed that you'll lend to many nations and you won't have to borrow. You'll be the head and not the tail. And the second half of Deuteronomy says, look, if you reject God, don't have God as part of your life, then you step into the curse. He said the curse is things like sickness, broken relationships. It says things like you'll see your wife, you'll go to marry her, and you'll lose her. Anyone felt like that? You know, it says... You'll invest in these things, and you have money, and you'll make investments, and they'll just come to absolute nothing. In fact, they'll go so bad, you'll lose more money. See, people say to me, God just wants us all poor because he wants to humble us. That is the biggest lie out. There is nowhere in this book that God says, I want you to be poor, I want you to be sick, I want you to be broken. That has come out of religious tradition that the church did back in the dark ages to control people. It's a lie of Satan. Because it doesn't say that anywhere in here. 
In fact, it says the opposite. And Jesus said, I came to bring Jubilee. It's fulfilled in me. I am Jubilee. If you believe in me, you get Jubilee. The problem is we believe the lie of Satan. We believe what's been told us. And so we go, oh, we're supposed to be sick. Oh, we're supposed to be poor because it makes us humble before God. It's a load of rubbish. Paul writes and he says, boldly approach the throne of grace. In other words, you can come to God and bring any request before him with boldness because we approach the throne of grace. What is grace? Grace is getting what you do not deserve. You see, none of us deserve to be in relationship with God because we've got the sin in us. We've got the things we've done wrong. We've got the areas we messed up. No one's good enough. But God knew that. That's why he sent Jesus who died on the cross and said, I'm going to take all your stuff, which is like filthy rags, upon myself, and I'm going to give you my purity and my wholeness and my cleansing. And then people go to me, but I've stuffed up since I've taken Jesus. That's why Jesus took Peter and he washed his feet. And Peter said, oh, Lord, you know, and he said, oh, don't do that. And, and God, Jesus said, no, look, I need to do this. If you're a part of me, I need to wash your feet. And Peter goes, well, then wash all of me. And God goes, you've missed the point. Jesus said to him, you've missed it. He says, I'm washing your feet to show you that you're already clean. If you've taken me into your life, you've taken me as your Lord and Savior, you're already clean. But I understand that as you go through life, you're going to dirty your feet. You're going to stuff up occasionally. Just remember, wash your feet. In other words, come back to me every day. Just repent of where you've messed up. Because I'll forgive you. It's just dirtying your feet as you go through life. There is nothing you can do to have God reject you. There is absolutely nothing you can do to have God reject you. To which people then say to me, why why do people go to hell? People go to hell because they reject God. See, God gives us a choice. He says, choose life or death. Joshua says this, choose life or death. Heaven or hell. It's not God sending people to hell. It's people sending themselves to hell. Because he has given us a free will to choose. Because he didn't want a bunch of computers he could, that would do whatever he wanted. He wanted people who would come into relationship with him. I don't know about you, but I'm sort of glad that I'm married to a real person and not a computer. Because there's no satisfaction when I tell a computer to do something and it does it. You know, write this word, computer, so it does. Say this computer, so it does. But there's no satisfaction in that. If I say it to my wife, I'll probably get slapped around the head. Say this word. I like being in a relationship with a real person because there's emotion and there's interaction and there's, you know, there's realness. And that's what God said. He said, I didn't want a bunch of robots. I wanted someone I could have a relationship with. And he says, but let's make it a good relationship because I'm a good God. Let me give you Jubilee. And then just to really make sure it was all that, Galatians 3.13 says that Jesus became a curse for us so we could be free from the curse. That means all that bad stuff in Deuteronomy 28 I was talking about before, and there's like pages of it. All the bad stuff that are curses, God says, you don't have to be afraid of all those things because I took all of those because they're a part of the curse and I've given you my blessing. God never takes something unless he's giving something in exchange. 
That's how God works. He likes to balance the books. And if any of you do it in business, you know that, you know, for every debit there has to be a credit, for every credit there has to be a debit, right? That's just God's economy. He says, I'm going to take all the curse upon me. Jesus became a curse for us so that we can be free. Jesus said things like, he says, I have become poor so that you can become rich. And if you look at the passage, he was actually talking about money. But we're so conditioned to thinking that we have to be poor, we have to be sick, we have to be in broken relationships because that's all trials God sends to test us. No, he does not. The Bible says quite the opposite. It's Jesus says, I came to give you abundant life. He says the thief or the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Understand where the problems come from. Paul writes and he says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So he says, when you're going through a hard time, understand it's the devil coming at you. But then he says, through Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. That means that whatever you're going through, God has a way through. Isn't that cool? That you can have jubilee in your life. If you have broken relationships, God says, I can restore them. If you have debt, he says, I can remove it. I've heard several accounts this week, God just really bought them away, of people. One lady rings up the bank and says, I need to check how much my loan is. And the, the teller said, look, you know, um, can I just get back to you? We're having a computer problem at the moment. Can I get back to you? She said, sure. She rang again later in the day because they didn't get back to her. And they said, look, we've got issues here. Can we, I'll just get someone to call you back. This went on for two weeks. At the end of two weeks, she had enough. She's like, I just want to know how much I owe. So she said, oh, can I talk to the manager, please? And she gets this sheepish manager on the other end. And she goes, she said, look, um, I just want to know how much I owe on my loan. I'm just sort of doing my finances here. I want to know how much I owe. And he said, um, uh, she goes, I just want to know the balance. Can you look on the screen? He says, we've got a problem. She says, oh, no, what's going on? He said, um, we can't find your loan. She said, excuse me? I've had this loan for several years now, you know. He said, well, we know who you are. We know you came in and we wrote a loan up, but we can't find it in our computers and we can't find the paperwork. So she said to him, so what does that mean? He said, well, I guess it means you owe us nothing. She said, praise God, send me a letter saying that, will you? He said, Absolutely. So she's got a letter that says she doesn't owe them anything. That's God. That's God. Now you may sit there and go, oh, I don't know if I can believe that. Well, that's your choice. Because Mark 11, 22, 23 says to have faith in God. And it says anyone who says to this mountain to be pushed into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, it shall be done. John 15 says, if you abide in me, God says, and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you want and it will be done. And he said that four times. And when God repeats something, it means he's trying to get the message across that it's really important. That's jubilee. 
But see, we're so conditioned to the world's way of doing things that we think it can only happen within this and, you know, it has to happen like this and, you know, I've got to win lotto to be able to do that. And, you know, it's rubbish. This is God's plan for us, but somewhere we lost it in our process of life because we put so much of the world stuff in and not enough of God's stuff in. It's jubilee and it's time to change that. It's jubilee and it's time. This is the time of restoration. That if it's been promised to you and you've never seen it, it's coming. If you've got broken relationships, they'll be restored. If you have debts, God will pay it out. And over this year, we're going to teach you how to do that. Because there's some really simple stuff you can do. It's not some massive investment scheme and, you know, hey, if you come and see Tony Robbins, he'll tell you all this wonderful stuff and, you know, hey, we can fix your finances, just invest a million dollars here and we'll show you how it all works. None of that. God has a really simple plan. And you might be sitting there going, man, this is too much to handle. How can this be so? It's not my words. That's straight out of here. It's where it's written. It's where it's written. You know, you can buy a house debt-free. I know people who've done it. I'm aiming to do it. It's my aim. You can do that. I bought myself a fairly new second-hand Land Cruiser Prado. VX Grande, so top of the range. Full bar work. Dual air conditioning. A few years ago, it had a six-stack of CD. Nowadays, it would have had you know, the latest sort of player beautiful tinted windows. I paid cash for it. My annual income, the year I paid cash for it, was $13,000. And I bought that car for $45,000 cash. And I had change left over in my pocket. I've seen God do it. That's just one count. I'm not talking about something that I've not seen myself. I'm telling you what I've seen and I'm telling you what I'm going to see this year. So I'm saying hang around because this year we're going to talk about how you have Jubilee, how you have the year of restoration in your life. And if you can't be in a service, then jump on, grab the app, South Central app, just go on to Google or to um, Apple. You can download the app. It gives you a link to all the sermons and you can listen to the sermons. You can go through and listen to the previous ones we've preached. But I'm saying to you, this year we're going to teach how to have restoration. We're going to teach how to have jubilee because that's God's plan for this place. That's God's plan for your life. You see, because when you're in jubilee, when your relationships are restored, you're not distracted by them. And you can do what God's called you to do. When you don't have to worry about your debt and you're being blessed financially, you've got money to be able to put into other people's lives and transform them. It costs money to do what we do. It cost us $40,000 just to start as a church. Where does that money come from? It comes from our pockets. Because God says, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. So I have a vested interest in you being blessed. Why not make you happier? And you can sit here and get excited and go, he wasn't talking rubbish, it's actually true. Two, it improves the quality of your life. And my aim is to have people become all they can be in life. That's my passion. It's why I do what I do. 
And three, it helps to finance what we need to do as a church to change people's lives. Because I don't know about you, but I want other people to know what it's like to have Jesus Christ in their life. I want other people to know the freedom they can have in Christ that we have. I don't want this just for myself. I want everybody to know about it. That's why we have a vision right here of 20,000 people. It's not about numbers. It's about transforming families. It's about changing people's lives. It's about restoring relationships and giving people hope. It's about people not going to hell but going to heaven. That's why we want 20,000. That's just the starting figure. That there hangs on my wall on the end of my bed. And so when I wake up every morning, I get to see it because the vision that God put in our hearts That's about 40,000 people, actually. But I want to see 20,000 people, won't be in this place, but in whatever place we're in at that time, worshiping God. I want to see their marriages restored. I want to see them passionate on fire for God. I want to see them going all over the world, sharing how good God is. I want to see the financial pressure broken off their lives. Want to see their kids growing up knowing that they can have a hope and a future. It's not about the numbers, it's about having people's lives changed. Because when we get to 20, we'll aim for 100. And when we get to 100, well, then a million probably comes next. Because the more people we reach out to, the more lives we transform, the less people are going to hell. But it takes every single one of us to do it. I can't do it by myself. And you can't do it by yourself. But together we can. Because we can have jubilee every single day. It doesn't mean there's no troubles. It doesn't mean there's no challenges. It just means we have the answer to them. You know that when a bushfire rages through and knocks out several houses, that we can rock up and say, let's rebuild them. We're paying the bill. That when a cyclone comes through and people lose everything they've got, we can come, hey, come in with us. We've got room for you. Let us help you get back on your feet. That when there's a downturn in the economy and people are losing their jobs, we can go, hey, let us help you. Let's pay out your mortgage. That make my life a bit easy for you while you look for work. That when there's a disaster, my, my aim is to have the biggest jet we can find and to fill it with everything that needs to be filled and to fly it into the next disaster that happens and get there and just unload the blankets and the food and the, you know, the tents and everything else and say, let's help you get back on your feet because God loves you. That's what it's about. It's about jubilee for us, but it's about sharing jubilee with everybody else around us and transforming this world. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But I'm saying we can do it. All right. So what is our vision for this year? Now I've got way off track. I'm only about two miles off. It's all right. It's all part of it. I was going to give you a brief overview, right? All right, this will go quick. And if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you in Sydney. All right, Hannah, let's go. All right, this year, we plan on raising some money to get a building. In three years, we've been told that Hammy Hill has to vacate this site. All right? So there will no longer be a high school on this site. Although these things are always subject to change, we know. But that's what currently has been said by the government. So that gives us three years in this building and probably a little bit longer. 
So I figure let's be in a strong position by the time we get that. So we're going to do a thing. Over the next three years, you're going to raise $200,000 so that we have money to be able to go out and negotiate and start a process towards our own premises. Now, that may be buying whatever's here as much as we can. It may be buying somewhere else. That's a journey we'll work over the next three years. But we want to raise $200,000 over the next three years to be able to do that. Will that stretch us? Absolutely. But we also plan on growing as a church. So, you know, there'll be others to help us do the journey. All right? It's not about the building. It's about the people. Remember that. We're doing this so that we can keep our community presence. You know, we could leave here. We could go and lease a building that wouldn't involve setup, that wouldn't involve as much work, but we would lose a lot of the impact we make in this area with these people. And so we stay here, and we pay that cost of setting up and packing up every week so that we can keep transforming lives in this area. All right? We've got a vision, and we're sticking with our vision, whatever the cost. We're going to get to the point in at least three, next three years where we actually don't have the issue of setting up. We can actually be in our own place or actually buying land towards that journey. Okay? Move it on. Power of One. When we first started talking about it as a church, we did a thing called Power of One, which is really cool. The whole aim is that everybody brings one person every year. Now, we did that last year. All right, we went from 32 people to 64 people. Basically, we got one person for every person we did. If we did that again this year, we would go from 64 to 128 this time next year. Who here thinks they could get somebody to church over the next 12 months? Yeah? I mean, you might have to ask 10 people. I got three. I'm not bragging. Well, I actually got two and one on their way in. So they could be one for this year. And it's a family, so, you know, that's four. <laughs> but, but that's how we plan on growing. I'm not asking us to go out and, you know, street witnessing, unless that's your thing. If you want to go and do that, I'm not saying whatever it is. I'm saying all you need to do is share Jesus in your world. And when you share Jesus, you'll find that eventually someone's going to want to listen. And as you pray for them, as you reach out to them, they'll come to church. It's just sharing what has happened in your life. That's all we're doing is sharing what we've got with as many people as we can. All right? But my challenge is go back, go back, go back, go back. I actually don't want to wait 12 months for another 64 people to walk in the door. I want us to do it in six months. All right? I figure if you can get one person here in 12 months, you can probably get someone here in six months. Yeah? You reckon? You're not so sure about that. It's really easy. Let me tell you, no, it's a whole other sermon. All right? Because I actually want us to hit the 256 number by the end of this year. Again, it's about transforming people's lives. All right? Just imagine if you had two of your friends sitting here in church with you this morning. Wouldn't that be cool? Not just them, but their families. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be an awesome thing to do, to know that you brought them in, you invited them, you shared Jesus, they came to know him, and now their marriages are being restored, and their finances are being restored, and their whole life is is coming back together, and and when they face challenges, they've got God there, and and they're praying, and they're walking with him. Wouldn't that be so cool? Just two of your friends. We can do it. We can do it. Thanks, Hannah. How are we going to do this? All right, well, to help you bring... 
your friends in to bring your family and everything else. We're going to do big days. That's a snow day. That's Christmas Eve. That's Easter. That's all those big events that we do. And you know, they cost us about five to six thousand dollars an event, on average. Some are cheaper, some are more. All right, it costs money. But it changed your life, didn't it? By being able to come to those. That's why we do it. All right, messy church which Dale will talk about over the next couple of weeks. Lots of fun. There's a couple coming up. It's all good. Things like Water Day are the big days of Messy Church. Kids' school program. Um, Deb is now running our kids' program. She's going into schools once a month, once a term. Once a month? Sorry? Once a term to go and do stuff. We want to ramp that up to a whole new level, but she's going to go once a term. She's redone the whole kids' program. I got excited when I saw it the other day and looking through the stuff. There's a whole lot of things happening there that will actually help us to reach out to kids and to their parents and to be able to make an impact in the school. So I'm excited by that one. Some good stuff happening there. The community garden needs lots of love. All right, Dale's looking for people who love gardening or just wish they loved gardening. All right, I promise you it'll start to get cooler. All right, but we need to get that. We want to really make that a, a community outreach and really make a, a difference through there. So that'll be happening. And um, you can invite, see, these things you can invite to. Connect groups. We're going to ramp up our connect leaders and really sort of put some pressure on them to actually start to double their groups. We've seen growth in all our connect groups. We want to see all our groups doubling and then doubling again, just multiplying. We want to see them outreaching and making a difference. So that'll come through your connect groups. CAP training. CAP is uh, Christians Against Poverty is what CAP stands for. And there's a particular training that we do that I'm accredited for that um, we can teach people how to handle their finances when they're in a situation of too much debt or they're just not managing and not getting by. So we want to start running that in, um, particularly here in the high school. We want to do it with the older students in the 11 and 12. Uh, it's just a one-hour session. Then we want to do something with their parents, which goes over about three nights, um, over three weeks. And it just helps them to be able to just handle their finances. And through that, we just share a bit of Jesus. All right, so it's a really simple program, but very effective. Um, we're running all over the world. If people are in really bad debt, we can refer them on to people who can actually help them turn their life around and get them, their finances back in order. Cool. And there's a Mums and Bubs group that's starting down in Rockingham, you know, because we're looking at starting new campuses out of this church. Our plan is that as we continue to grow, we're going to start new campuses and start new churches. So we're looking at Rockingham already. So we start with the Mums and Bubs group down there that Anna's running, um, just building connections, building community, and then we'll see that grow from there. Be awesome. All right. So what does that mean for you? Because it all sounds great, doesn't it? How can you be involved? You know, turn the person next to you and saying, I want to do something. I can't wait. You didn't do this. <laughs> Not so keen on that one? This is, this is my last PowerPoint. <laughs> I promise you. So you turn to the person next to you and say, I want to change somebody's life. And Phil's going to tell me how. <laughs> All right, it's really simple. Pray. You know, just pray. Every day, just take a few minutes to pray for the church, pray for the leadership of the church, and to pray for the people that you want to see come in church with you. Get at least three people that you're praying for and pray for them. Just pray for them every day. It doesn't have to be great, big, long prayers. It doesn't have to be high, you know, big, big word prayers. Jesus said it's really easy to pray. Just tell God what's on your heart. Just pray. All right? Prayer, but it's like a powerhouse. It's the engine room of the church. It's like taking the, the, the engines out of a boat, you know, a ship. It ain't going to go very far. It may look all nice on the outside, but it's not going to go anywhere without the engines. Prayer is the engine room. 
that takes us where we need to go. All right. Serve. Get involved. Get a part of the setup and the pack-up team. Get on the kids' church roster. Get involved in the, the community garden. Talk to Deb about being involved in the, the schools program. Get yourself into a connect group, which we'll talk about in a minute. But get involved. Do something. Even if you're saying, look, I only do it every couple of weeks or every three weeks, that's cool. If we all do our bit, it makes the load lighter for everybody. All right? I'm not asking you to burn yourself out and go, to the, you know, uh, we're not into that. Just get involved and help out. You can join the worship team. We need to expand our worship team. Right now, I've worked out if I go on holidays, the worship team leaves, except for Rhea, the drummer. (laughs) Here come the drums. All right? So we want to expand our worship team. We want to see a double up. We want want people to do sound. I don't know anything about sound mixing. or That's right. We'll teach you. All right? Hey? It's a really cool desk. All right? You didn't pay for that one. Save the bonus. But yeah, if you want to know these things, ask. We'll teach you. Get involved. Connect groups. Get themselves in the connect groups. Hannah's hitting the button up there, making me hurry up. Connect groups. Get yourself in a connect group. They meet every week, every fortnight during the week, but it's a great way to get that midweek boost. Grow. We're going to start a thing called Spirit School. Yeah, Once a month on a Sunday night, we're going to hang out. And this one is one's where I don't have a time limit. I can talk for as long as I want. Not really. But it's actually about how you get God's power in your life, how you can have that victory in your life, how you can have the Holy Spirit moving power in your life, how you can pray for someone to be healed. Cool. How you can speak to your debt and it'll go away. How you can actually go into the heavenlies and do some of that really sort of weirdy stuff that is actually part of our Christian walk that doesn't get talked about a lot. So we're going to do that on a Sunday night once a month and just sort of hang out and go through some of the stuff. And it might just be talking. We'll be praying together and doing stuff. And it might be a little scary occasionally, but it's good stuff, all right? And it'll grow you in your Christian walk. Okay. And invite. Invite somebody. Invite anybody. Invite everybody. All right? It makes a difference. Told you this is my last slide. That's it. I'm done. That's where we're going this year. This is what I want to see. 18,000 people came to know Jesus out of that. That's not just people who put their hands up. People who filled out a card and joined a church. 18,000 people. That's where we're going. We may start here, but that's where we're going. It's going to look like that before we know it. That one hangs at one end of my bed. That one hangs the other end of my bed. So I walk in my room. I see that one. Get up in the morning. I see that one. Helps me keep the vision before me that this is what God has for us. All right? It's hot. I've talked for long enough. Let's pray. Oh, there's ice cream. Cool. That's all good now. Father, I thank you. You're a good God. I thank you that you are here to restore our lives. That, Lord, you want to restore what's broken, what's been missing, what's been stolen, what's been lost. Father, I pray that every person here, they get a revelation of jubilee, a revelation of restoration in you, Father. That where there is debt, it'll be cancelled in Jesus' name. Father, where relationships are broken, they'll be restored in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, where things have been lost, they'll be restored in the name of Jesus. Father, I just pray that of every person here in Jesus' name, that we will grow in you and know you more. We want to bless you. We want to worship you. Declare you are a good God. And thank you for ice cream. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, there's ice cream and hot drinks if you really want hot drinks on a lovely warm day like this. Lord bless you. Have an awesome week.